Hi, welcome all. Uh, my name is Cole Baresi, and I am here on the How to Heal Your Trauma podcast with David Dardashti. Before we dive in with David, I'd like to share a little bit of my background and how I've got involved in I began and, and with David. So about eight years ago, I was treated by David because I was prescribed Suboxone and uh, antidepressants. All of this had started at a young age. When I was 14, I had a near-death experience. My appendix burst in my body. I was on the hospital bed near death. 60 days in the hospital, managed to recover and come out. Everything seemed normal. Sports, school, uh, played hockey, went through high school. And my freshman year is going into college. I had a severe hockey injury. I broke my back um, and I was prescribed oxycodone for about a year and then told that I needed a spinal fusion surgery to recover. Now, I didn't agree to that surgery, so I was told that there was nothing else I could do and I was no longer prescribed any painkillers. That was a real punch in the face because at that point, I figured out withdrawals were to opioids and I suffered for a number of days before being able to find uh, pills on the street. And I did that all through college. The four years of my studies, uh, major in accounting, minor in finance, each and every day to get to the classroom, I had to take opioids throughout the day. So that was extremely stressful, always worrying about when the next pill was taken, what my class schedule was like, uh, going home, back home to work on the weekends. Uh, so I did that for about four years until I graduated and landed a good accounting job, a good-sized firm in the U.S., now, I could not run around and chase the pills any longer, so I asked for help, and I was put on Suboxone. Started out at 8 milligrams and increased all the way to 24 milligrams. I was on Suboxone for about six years. I tried everything. I went to a number of different facilities in Florida, Boston, all over the place to try to get off of, of the Suboxone, and it, I could get clean for a month or a couple months, but I always resorted back to it because the long-term depression and anxiety is just unbearable. And I had to work, I had to provide for myself and, and you know make it through life. Now, one night I was laying in bed and it came to me like, let's just research how to, how to get off Suboxone on Google. Now at that time, eight years ago when I was treated, this was probably listed somewhere 50 or 60 pages down, but I spent all night researching how can I get off these long acting opioids. And the word Ibogaine popped up. And then after Ibogaine, the name David Dardashti continued to pop up over and over and over again. And I went to the YouTube channel and I must have watched 50 or 60 video testimonials that night of others who have been treated for long-acting opioids like Suboxone and Methadone and, and other uh, prescription short-acting opioids. I said, how can this be true? How, how can all of these people have been treated and, and nobody has ever mentioned this to me or talked about it? Now, I had the conversation with my parents that this, I believe, is the way out. I... I see the emotion on these people's faces, on their testimonies. This, I know this is real. You know, against uh, what my family believed at the time, many thought I was going to go to Mexico and die or get kidnapped or what was I doing? They thought I was crazy, but I knew the truth. I could feel it. And this is a real message from God that David Dardashti was the man that I needed to see to really not just change my life, but save my life because I was at a really difficult point uh, psychologically. I was in a deep, deep hole. And I, other than my family, 
I felt I had no reason to live. I was on a plane three days later on a flight from Boston down to Mexico in Cancun. As promised, a shuttle was waiting there for me. I went back to the facility, extremely nervous. I probably had a hundred Suboxone films on me because I didn't know what was going to happen. Afraid to give it up initially until David walked in and I had the conversation with him. And he said to me, it's okay to trust me. It's okay to be afraid. But we're here to help you with the power of God. I know you want to get off of this stuff. I know you want to build your life and a family. Please hand over what you have and submit yourself. Trust the process, he told me. Trust the process. And that's all I needed. I gave everything over to David. I did my first full Ibogaine treatment. And I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i go deeper into it later on in the um in, in our podcast about my actual experience, because it's a little bit lengthy. I want to introduce you into this man, David Dardashti, and who he is. I have learned so much from him over the last eight years. He's been like a father to me, not just teaching me about Ibogaine, people, the world, but real life lessons on, on how to be a genuine good person and how truth can overcome any fear or evil. Uh, with that being said, uh, you know David. He's a man who has wore many hats. Anything you know from commercial real estate developer, rabbi, professional musician, singer. He's done it all. Uh, and I'd like to introduce David and and how he got into ibogaine treatment and and how trauma plays such an, a significant role in all of the treatments that that we do and what we're trying to treat. With that being said, David, tell me, how did you first find out about Ibogaine? How did you first come to Mexico and, and devote your life to humanity and, and helping others with their issues? Well, as you know, I think I, I said I was suffering from migraines for many, many years since I was a little child. At one point or the other, I was tired of it, and I asked this doctor for something to relieve my migraines, and she wrote me Oxycontin. The first time I took it, it felt great. Obviously, it makes you uh, feel in a high level of spirituality, supposedly. It affects its spirituality. Uh, and then I got addicted to it. And I, when I understood I'm addicted to it, I wanted to get off. I said, well, must be the way they... They give it to you so quickly, they must have something that they can take you off quickly. It was 28, 29 years ago, and I there was absolutely nothing that I could do to get rid of it. Busy developer, I developed about four million square feet of commercial real estate with the, the most major tenants in America, banker, uh, performer, and it was impossible to continue while raising six kids, going through all this business and being in the withdrawal day after day. I used to go to the bathroom and knock my head to the wall and come back to the meeting. So a year, I it took a year, whole year of going through real hell. Now, now I know when they mention hell, what hell means. It was real hell. So until I got out of it. 
was like maybe a couple of years later where some doctors approached me and told me that they have a facility in Can- Cancun, uh, Mexico, that they cannot make it there. They have gone broke and they don't have enough patients. And they, if I would be interested in investing in it, uh, first I thought there were a bunch of liars. There's no such a thing in the world. But anyway, make it short, I sent a couple of investigators to check to see if this is what they're telling any truth in it. Uh, it's finally, we found that it is true, it's possible, even though they were not doing it in a correct way, but people were getting relieved from being addicted to opiates. So I got more and more involved in it, increased, I've been in business for so many years, increased the the amount of patients from two a month to to 24 a month within three, four months. Uh, One day, this uh, doctor, which was uh, shocking, uh, decided that now they don't need me anymore. They basically went into the facility on the Sabbath that I keep very strictly and stole all the equipments, everything that was there. I invested somewhere around $300,000 in there. So I said, after that, well, let me pack my bag and go back to America. My assistant nurse, she begged me not to do it. She said, look, you can do it. Anyway, I got into it, and I started really studying it, developed 300 different protocols throughout the years, while everywhere else you go, they have only one protocol, which doesn't make any sense. I have a protocol for almost every different disease, every condition. So as the years passed, I started developing, and we got very, very busy. And I treated Alzheimer, Parkinson, Subutec. What uh, am I talking about? Uh, we developed people with diseases, diabetes, and many, many other diseases. I cannot really, I don't want to take the time to, to list them here. Uh, for example, one interesting, very interesting, uh, a gentleman came down that, they have done an operation to his toe, and they they had uh, caused him a lack of circulation in the half of his body. Basically, it was half of his body was totally not functioning. I was numb. And four days later, he started dancing and jumping up in front of everybody. Everybody thought he has gone crazy. Uh, and he said, oh, my God, my, my, my body, I feel my, my left side of my body. And, uh, you know, and many, many times this kind of thing has happened to us. Uh, as I've been treating people, discovered more and more how many other problems that everyone else thinks that is not solvable that there is solution for everything. I believe if the Almighty has created a problem, he also created a solution for it. It's just you have to pay the attention and the time as spend the energy to find the solution 
and believe in it. Unfortunately, sometimes the solution to many problems interferes with the uh, financial income of other entities and they don't want to see that solution because it would cut their uh, maybe their profit down but everything I found in this world has a solution I, I cooperate with a lot of doctors a lot of major people in the industry of helping people with the psychological physiological and we succeed since I started we have probably treated somewhere close to 4,000 individuals the ones that were absolutely serious to stay with it I would say 90% success again and I can have no problem because I, I started creating a video program I begin by David Dardashti and introducing the interview with many of them, probably thousand interviews with patients that were treated and they basically explained and defined what they went through, where they were and where they are right now. It was a, something, a revolution in their life. And now they are successful business people, successful uh, husband or wife or uh, whatever else. So in this world, I believe there is solution to many, many problems that uh, many would claim there is no solution. And I don't believe that there is anything in this world that cannot be resolved if you put enough energy and try hard enough you can't find a solution. David, you've made a few good points that I want to go back on. One regarding who we are and where we, where we fit into that puzzle in helping people overcome trauma, chemical dependence, substance abuse, uh, neurological disorders and issues. Um, there's so many different modalities and traditional treatment that are extremely successful some where people not so successful. But where do we fit in to this puzzle of helping more people in joining Western medicine and all of the great things that they've done, but there's additional, there, there's so much to add to that. And I began in a true clinical setting with doctors, nurses, licensed therapists, because this is, this is our medical team who we work with, you know, in helping these, these patients that are coming in. I mean, how can we all work together and achieve the same goal uh, using the best of every type of modality? Because there's a time and space and place for each type of, of issue that people are suffering from. And I'm how we Yeah, I did a sentence from Solomon, the smartest man, King Solomon, the smartest man ever lived. He made this statement one time. And God created the world simple. And people try to make it complicated. Now, we understand why to make it complicated. Obviously, they think they make better living making it complicated. 
complication is always creates uh, more business, supposedly. I don't think so, but okay, let's say that's what the philosophy is. So life is simple. Things are simple. Everywhere you go, everything you see proves to you that everything is so complicated. And we as a human have gotten so used to seeing things that so complex, everything you want to be, you want to make a decision to get married, it's so complicated. You want to open up a business, it's complicated. You want to go to school, it's complicated. You want to make a friend, it's complicated. You want to take a trip, it's complicated. The complication has become a major disease of this generation. And here it is, and the it's the, the two connect very closely. When you think something that has no solution and it's too complicated, you will never resolve it. And I, yes, I can admit the first time they told me about this uh, solution to the opiates, I didn't believe it. But I didn't just say, you know what, Go to hell. I don't I think you're lying to me. I I went and tried to see the truth. And I found out that they, they were telling the truth. They were not doing it right. But uh, their their treatment was forty five hours and misery of people come come out of it. We have gotten to a point where our treatment right now is between four to six hours the longest. And people come up with no pain, with no problems. It took time. It took 14 years of study and real, real investigation. I think that's an important point you hit, David, with treating each person as an individual and the hundreds of protocols that you've developed over the last 14, 15 years. Um, because I know traditionally, from all the research and everything that's put out there online, everybody is talking about milligram per kilogram. How many milligrams of Ibogaine to give per, to a person that weighs, uh, you know, X kilograms? And I know that you've talked so deeply into not just their physical body, but their psychological, their subconscious, their spirit, how deeply that is. You know what? I'll give, you, I, I'll give only one example, physical example. Somebody with diabetes if you give him the same milligram of ibogaine that you would give to the someone else that doesn't have diabetes, the diabetes person will throw up for three days. You're going to put maybe even his life in danger. You're going to put him in a very bad shape. And many doctors don't understand that. They don't know this. Okay. You cannot, if you have benzos, you have to reduce the benzos. We can be still treating you with no problem, but we reduce the benzos and then we treat you uh, at the same time. But not take you uh, completely off. This is one way. Then there are many other aspects. So, so you, you know, just giving you this example alone, you cannot treat everyone with the same amount. Just weighing them if they were they're 150 kilos, 
uh, you multiply by 18. If you give a guy with a real strong uh, diabetes, uh, that's kind of high level of IBM. He will be for sure throwing up for, for and will be very, very sick. While IBM is not dangerous whatsoever, but has to be treated correctly, you need to be a professional what you do with it. And uh, throughout the years, we learned how that's why we reached 300 different uh, protocols that we use for, if there are four patients here, everyone, every one of them gets a different treatment because they need a different treatment. And this is the way to really and truthfully treat 100%, I don't want to say 100%, it's not, Good word, ninety-five percent. Let's say success in all our treatments. And I know that there's so much time and effort in examination and evaluation on the physical level, between the EKGs, the blood exams, uh, you know, health history, uh, blood pressure, pulse, oxygen. We go through the entire person physical uh, anatomy, so we have a true understanding. But I, I'd love for you to touch on because I've been working by your side the last eight years and I know that the psychological or subconscious piece to that puzzle is even much deeper than the physical side. How does trauma and one's experiences throughout their life lead them into a whole array of neurological disorders, chemical dependence, substance abuse, other addictions, like it could be you know, gambling, sex, a, a number of different things. How does trauma play into that, and how is that, you know, calculated into a proper ibogaine treatment protocol? Yeah, I would say this: out of hundred percent addicts, at least eighty-five percent have started using some kind of drugs because they had bad experiences in life, whether it is abuse or sex or bad childhood or being uh, in the classroom, in the school, being bullied. People don't understand, for example, how much bullying can hurt psychologically a child. This can destroy him totally. They're thinking it's so, so simple. It's not simple. It's that uh, people think that trauma is just somebody going to war in Afghanistan and, and gets uh, wounded. He sees his friends getting killed. If you have a parent fighting in front of their own kid, think good. Whose side that child should take? The father or the mother? What you do to that child, you take him and break him to two pieces. Basically, you tear him apart psychologically. Whose side is going to take? So, there is... First, we have to understand that the trauma is that something just has to do with going to add to war. I, I served three years in the army as commanding units. But yes, there is trauma, but there is traumas I've seen that I have a 
a painter, for example, that she was drawing beautiful painting, but there was so much trauma in the painting, in her painting, because she suffered so much as a child from her mother. After the treatment, she started totally changing and, and doing very positive, very beautiful, much better painting. I mean, the quality was the same, but the, the presentation, what she was drawing now was looked positive, was happy, was toward positivity. And I can name so many big head of the today companies that were treated and there were a a little guy working in the, in the office as a delivery boy and today they are the head of the company after they got rid of the trauma it's really amazing and it's so it's crazy the amount of people that come in and are treated who believe they have no traumas whatsoever. But during their Ibogaine treatment experience, you know, after they say, wow, they say, I had no idea that there was one fight uh, between uh, all of the family at a uh, kid, you know, at dinner at the kitchen table, or I fell off a of monkey bars. I saw myself falling off the monkey bars and that put the fear of God in me for my entire life. Or like you said about the bullying, it completely shuts kids down. It doesn't allow them to learn, doesn't allow them to grow, and they suffer with it for their entire lives. The divorce that splits the kid in two or the fighting between the parents that splits the kid in two, they don't know, they don't know who they are. They don't know which person to be. It's, it's amazing. And it's the amazing thing is, i give you an example. Only a few days ago, the, the gentleman we had here a patient, and I looked at him and I said, what is your trauma? It was clear to me that this, this man is full of trauma. He said, no, he had a very good childhood, no trauma, nothing. Okay, what can I do? I cannot argue with him. The treatment started. An hour and a half after the treatment started, that man started crying. A macho guy, I'm talking about really tall, looks like a very good shape. He was crying loud for four hours. He didn't stop crying. And I knew, I, even I couldn't see the extent. I saw that he has a major trauma, but the extent of trauma was even deeper than I thought. So people come over here, I don't have any trauma. I mean, they don't understand that this is nothing wrong with you if you have trauma. You didn't do anything wrong. They did it to you. You experience something wrong. Is it your your fault because you experience something wrong? Even if a, a woman, a girl was raped, is that is that her fault? She can be embarrassed to talk about it? No, absolutely not. We are human. We have to be open. Admit to our wrongdoing up and be honest with what we experienced and try to get rid of and resolve the problem we're carrying on the, all our lives with us because it, it diminishes our accomplishment, happiness, relationship with the uh, whoever we have, we want to have. 
uh, all these are tremendously affected. You affect your children, your parents, you affect your wife or husband or uh, girlfriend or boyfriend. If your problem is not resolved, you're going to carry it and you're going to affect others. And it's not fair that because you didn't solve your problem, others are going to suffer the rest of the, their life because you didn't want to fix your trauma. And everyone says it. It's, it's so hard to forgive themselves, to forgive others. They carry this shame and guilt and anger and fear and resentment year after year until they can really reach the deep point of their trauma, of their subconscious. And I know that after working with you, that is really one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle is bringing a person back to the trauma, understanding that it's no longer happening. They don't have to keep all of these painful emotions and feelings, events buried any longer and be free from it. Yeah, I think the next time we talk, I will address basically what is a trauma, why it doesn't go away, and how you get rid of it. Amazing. Thank you, David. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm excited to dive deeper into how to heal your trauma with David, dive, in, dive deeper into how I can help with this. Thank you very much. <laughs>